welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Another Knock On Podcast. I know you don't know what to do with yourself right now because there's so many coming but uh don't worry it'll slow down and i'll go through a dry spell again so get them all the getting's good podcasting today from the i don't know i guess it's like my shouldn't call it a training center it's just where i train but i've got some new friends with me from the wwe (laughs) (laughs) ray Rowe. Rut Row, kind of. <laughs> Never heard that before. Sarah huh? Row. Stage names are Sarah Logan. Eric Row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just Eric. He only, he, yeah, he's just, like Madonna. He only has a first name. Yeah, I, I only have it. I only have Do they name. only say Eric? It's just Eric. I'm that guy where when they're, if there's legit fans on here, they're going to just think I am big idiot no, why why am i getting this podcast right now but they're, they're gonna be so mad at you <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of never happy though so yeah sometimes like okay. the the people who hate wrestling more than anything are wrestling fans <laughs> like no one hates wrestling more than wrestling fans and then we watch it every week and then it's kind of like being like i'm i'm a cleveland browns fan yeah and no one hates a cleveland browns more than me because <laughs> they lose all the time and it's like being in an abusive relationship and like each <laughs> each game each week each year you're like oh it's this time it's this time and it never is i feel like wrestling fans are haven't are they that. like they, they were the only team that didn't have a winning a winning season in the whole decade that's yes. the only team ever oh yeah. my goodness yeah yeah it's uh, Go browns. it's a rough life so what made you guys decide to get into archery or bow hunting i guess i just feel like like i i kind of grew up hunting with my papa and my dad and um it was just like firearms Mm -hmm. and um where was that uh kind of like the louisville kentucky area oh that's right yeah but uh i i crossbow hunted for the first time um for our wedding actually and I got a like a buck with a crossbow for our wedding, and I just loved how like intimate it was. Yep. Like me and that deer had like a moment where like we looked at each other, and because it was like it was probably 15 yards from my stand, mm-hmm. and I like it was just to face something that you're about to like take its life. Yeah. Puts hunting into a whole new perspective. It puts eating the meat into a whole new perspective, and like I was proud as. I was so proud at the wedding to like have like we did a European mount at the head of our table at our wedding and like everyone was eating the deer I hunted like it was and I just kept thinking about did like you that look that we at had. the wedding mm-hmm. yeah because you had a legitimate Viking wedding yeah we did. oh yeah full on did WWE do a special on did they actually do a videography on that or yeah it's on WWE's uh, YouTube channel it's like their highest rated or highest viewed. For for one of yeah for yeah, like yeah like their their WWE's developmental NXT yeah they have a performance center and the performance center has a YouTube channel and uh, it's on there and it's it was it like every time I watch it I cry like they captured it beautifully I kind of yeah, turned they, to like a really, little baby really did a good job of capturing like kind of the magic of that day yeah because um, Sarah and I uh, in addition to being 
uh, wrestlers and, and in addition to, to being fascinated with the out, outdoors and, and getting into archery and bow hunting uh, we're Viking uh, reenactors so yeah. we, we do living history Viking events so we research everything we, we do historically accurate clothing fighting cooking camping so like we're, we're for the record this isn't LARPing no, I was yeah. gonna say that too. Yeah. Like it, they're they're cousins, I sure. guess. But there's nothing that's not historically accurate. Like there's no wizards, there's no fireballs, there's right. No and and the other the other <laughs> difference too is like the it's funniest thing I've seen in a long time was we I sat up late one night with uh, Jocko and I think I had like I think Rogan was there and Andy was there, but we were talking somehow or another we talked about stuff these rat holes we go down on youtube and stuff and believe it or not jocko was talking you know about like real fighting obviously you know his brain works on a few different levels you know (laughs) fighting smashing and you know kind of motivating people right that's you know even though he's like i don't you know people shouldn't need motivation they need to just like go but he was saying that somehow or another he started watching this YouTube thing about this. I think he said he saw something like, you know, lightning bolts, LARPing, and someone had told him about LARPing. He's like, what the heck? And he, he had to, we had to all watch it on his phone. But if you, if you YouTube LARPing lightning bolts, you'll see this dude that had like these little Nerf darts. And he's running and he's just going like lightning bolt lightning bolt <laughs> lightning bolt and he's like Dude's committed. and he's com- and he's killing this guy you know by like hand tossing is the guy like selling it real big like no <laughs> yeah oh yeah he's just like ah, like and, it, and i mean we were laughing so freaking hard that night so just to clarify <laughs> yeah, it's yeah that's not that it's There's, not that um you, i've seen you literally I, sling swords and yeah like at best it's danger larping yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like they're like real steel weapons and like it's it's like we call it fancy crowbar fight club yeah we're hitting you, each other you end with up like, like steel real bruised up and and banged up so and medieval like, times type stuff yes but like without the t- exploding joust. but it's yeah, um it's strictly times. competitive like there's no like um like there's no like choreography to it there's no there's just like technique and it's it's like viking martial arts mm-hmm. yeah i think i think viking martial arts is the is the best way to, to describe the fighting aspect of it like because we train we we there's there's technique there's footwork there's timing there's spacing like all of the things that you would do in kickboxing or or even jujitsu and and other traditional martial arts forms this is just a a weapon form of martial arts that's yeah. based in the viking age and viking like um scandinavian um weapons and armor and and there there's different like we have different sparring systems so we've got like a like a more technical based one where you're not really putting the power so it's kind of like a light sparring yeah and then there's there's another style that we have that's full armored and and you just go i mean and (laughs) there's no there's no such thing as like oh that was too that was too hard like if you can if i can knock i I fight with a, a six and a half foot axe and if I can knock you off your feet with it, that's fair game. <laughs> All right. So we have a. Uh, Is it weird for you to do that and then have to go be your character in the ring? Not. I mean, it's not weird at all because it, it they kind of go hand in hand. Like I'm a Viking so inside the ring. 
Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it weird is weird is like dependent on the eye contact, really. Um, but like, it, it it's only it, I'm a Viking inside the ring. I'm a Viking outside the ring. Like you know, so it's it's just kind of like uh, like Sarah and I talk about it a lot. Like we we kind of like talk about like our Viking life. Like a lot of what our aspects is even in day to day life are very like Viking like. Like she you know she smashes things and you know she's gonna run straight through a wall and. Stuff like that. So we actually had um, Shayna Baszler, who's in the UFC. She came out and did, like, a whole training thing with us. Uh, and r- me, me and Ronda, Ronda Rousey, are trying to coordinate a time that her and Travis can come out and, like, do this also because, like, we showed her footage and she's like, dude, that looks freaking awesome. Like, what kid inside of you, what adult doesn't want a sword fight? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just cool. Like, it's... it's it's I would say it's definitely fun. cooler than like a lot of the lightsaber competitions I've seen <laughs> you know, yeah, down yeah. my YouTube rat holes too. No, I'm I was envisioning you t- having a six foot axe trying to take people off their feet, and then I was thinking, okay, well then you in the ring where obviously it's you know you guys bang bodies and so forth, but it it also it's entertainment. You know, there's sure. it's like a storyline, right? So I, I'm kind of picturing, like, that'd be like Ray Lewis, who does Ray Lewis stuff, then saying, okay, Monday nights I'm doing flag football type thing, you know, where you're, you're like, blocking and running through the motions and stuff. But, <laughs> you know, you're not able to legitimately just go full-on smash. Well, I mean, you go full-on smash he, in different ways. He literally throws his partner at people. Yeah, like, so... <laughs> his three... What, how, how much is Todd? Three... 350 what? pounds. 350 pounds, just throwing him at little... At, at people much smaller than Todd. Like, the weird thing about their tag team is, like, Todd is the big... Or, Ivar's the big one. And Ray is kind of, like, in comparison, the smaller one. So you think that Ray would do the flying stuff and mm-hmm. then Ivar would do the, the smashing, but it's totally opposite. Like, Ivar jumps off the ropes and does, like, handstands and backflips and Ray picks up Ivar and throws him at people and throws two people <laughs> at once. It's, it's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely, it, it's, it's different types of intensity. So, you know, different I'm rules not, of engagement. Yeah. Different rules of engagement is a good way to say it. Like, you know, and the intention maybe in, uh, in the ring isn't to maim and, you know, injure people. But mm-hmm. at the same time, even with our Viking fight fighting, like we, we need there, to fight another day. Yeah, there's rules of engagement there yeah. too. So like, there's there's a safe place to hit people, and there's you know off target hits. And so I'm not smashing somebody in the head with the axe, yeah. <laughs> like in the side of the head. I can hit you in the helmet. Yeah. But I'm not gonna hit you in the teeth. Yeah. Okay. You know, same with wrestling. Like there's there's I've been definitely. I've never that axe before. It's terrifying. <laughs> well, you're you're hurting today because you showed me the clip from last night. You legitimately got kind of dropped onto your head, and and I I kind of was wondering, am I is he getting it? You told me you were hurting this morning, but you didn't go into full explanation. Yeah. But then I was in back, you know, working on the grill and then came around the corner and I see you like kind of leaning your neck around, kind of like me. You know, I know you're dealing with some injury stuff. And then you just said, I legitimately got dropped on my head hard last night. Yeah. And, and then yeah. you showed me and you can tell you, you know, the way you were thrown, you weren't able to, to brace. You just got dropped on your pumpkin. I make the best of that situation. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and and like he's that, got a big old head. Yeah, but the, like that's part of like not the not the the potential for catastrophic injury, but like the that's part of the beauty of wrestling is that you do walk so close to that line. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's entertainment, and yes, 
it, there's there's show aspects to it. But there's always that suspension of belief. That, you well, know, not like, only not only that, but there's yeah. that very real. Like what we do is really athletic. Mm-hmm. These are real athletes moving at top speed, flying around in all kinds of different directions and and stuff like that. So like, and it's a it's a collision sport. Yeah. Like we we're smashing into each other, and and yes, we're trying to do it safely. Yeah. Because we got to do this five days a week. Yeah, but there's but, two but, moving parts too. The, yeah. yeah, and there's and there's. But At things happen. Part, yeah, yeah, things happen. And and sometimes things don't go as planned. And like in, in a movie, if you've got stuntmen, they might set up a shot and they're, you know, doing something and then and then rehearsing it and then they've got spotters and then and then you say, you know, action and they do it and then you get it from a different camera angle and you do or all this stuff up, and yeah, cut. You, yeah, cut yeah. and then we'll, we'll rerun that. If we mess up, the crowd just chants you effed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. The thousands. yeah it's, it's you know it, it, what we do is live. It's live. It's one yeah. take. It's it's in front of a of a live audience. It's in front of millions of people on t- on TV. So like, I always tell myself before I go, I go out there and wrestle, I'm like, I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna mess something up. It's okay because I'm a damn good wrestler. I can fix it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good approach because one of the things I teach people that are into competition is just being able to go into that competition knowing that at least one thing is going to go bad Mm -hmm. you know one call is not going to go your way one shot might not go your way and you have to if you're prepared to know that's going to happen then you're going to be able to react to it and you know know you're good enough to fix it yeah and recalibrate to you know to keep going on the path as best you can, even if you've even if you've kind of been derailed or tipped a little bit. But some people, and I told you guys this earlier today, when you guys were watching me practice, I said, you know, it's pretty rare that people have flawless rounds. They'll have an iffy shot. The really good ones know why they might have just hung that line over there and instead of doing it three times in a row they just do it once and then get back on track Mm -hmm. and if you can if you can have a mistake recognize it and and correct it the people that do it the soonest are the ones that are on the podium or the ones that are in the shoot-offs that's just how it happens and in a hunting you know element the same thing's happening. You're, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and that's what makes hunting so hard, especially when you're doing spot and stock because you're reading terrain, mother nature that's changing. And then you're trying to read multiple animals that are all interacting and, you know, hearing something over here or seeing a flash over there or whatever. And they turn their head for no reason. They, they might bust you and, being able to, you know, make your approach and then realize I made a mistake here. I actually can't go any further. If I press this, it's all like I made a mistake to get here. This isn't the best route. And then being able to get back out of that situation, readjust, and then, you know, and then make the correct decision after that, that's what makes successful hunts. And like I said, in the competition world, being able to recognize mistakes that happen and make corrections those are the people that continually stand out so is that the same with yeah, especially in like those high pressure situations like no matter if it's you see the deer you've been looking for all year if it's you're at a competition if it's you're about to walk out and wrestle wrestlemania mm-hmm. like you're always judged by those times that are like trying you're judged by those times that are like that put you 
in the worst disadvantage mm-hmm. to be your best. Yep. And like nothing, any anything that makes your heart race, anything that's worth doing, like being able to to get there and perform at your best at that moment. Like I know when I step back and I think about like wrestling or I think about hunting, I'm like, it makes me kind of like proud of myself and proud of my training that like I was dropped to my level of training because all the odds were against me mm-hmm. and like it was awesome and I did well and yeah. I executed and I showed up. But like it, he's saying I showed up and, and especially, but like when stuff goes wrong, like it's like that old saying, like everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face <laughs> and like, or you get dropped on your head yeah. or, you know, that something snaps and the deer sees you like everyone has that and, and being able to bounce back and, and readjust on the fly. Like that's, that's why I think you, clearly enough to be able to make the right decision yeah. in that moment. But that's why the, I think the hours of training, that's, that's where the hours of training come out. Like, yeah. because someone who has trained can make that adjustment yep. and someone who hasn't panics and they freeze. Yep. And, and if you're in that situation and you don't freeze and you're, you're able to be cool and, okay and redirect and you know recharge i think that's that's the mark of of someone that's put training in and has kind of like jocko's thing where he's like good that happened yeah. good yeah Next yeah thing. yeah yeah good. absolutely Next thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting to me how many people ask you know got into bow hunting for the first time you know i'm gonna go you know what should i do you know is there any way you can you know give me some advice on everything i, I need to do on my first time and it's just go you know, just go because as soon as you s- step out of your car, you're probably going to learn something. If you're brand new to hunting, as soon as you step out of your car and slam your door and then realize there's a freaking deer running already, you're going to be like, crap. You leave your keys in, the ding, yeah, you're ding, like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> you're like, oh no. And then you're thinking, okay, so next time I'm going to pull up, put the car in park ease the key out, open the door, get out. And you know, I'm going to kind of ease the door shut, then like push it and click it. And then then you're going to realize like, I don't want all my gear buried under stuff in the backseat where I'm banging my tailgate and all that stuff. You know, you kind of, you learn those small little things and then how you pack your backpack going to the stand. If you're, if you're layering and then get to your stand, you need to put those extra layers on. Or if you, go out for that first time and you're on the way to the stand and all of a sudden, you know, that buck you're after is right there and you have to take your backpack off and fish through your backpack to get your release. That's at the bottom. <laughs> you're the only way you're going to, I'm going to be able to tell you all those things most likely is if it's happening to me, because that stuff happens every time I go out. And if you want to know what you need to do to, you know, become an you know i guess from a beginning hunter to an amateur hunter you just have to go you just have to get out there and and do it and make yeah get the reps in and do it that's i told you guys that today with with the archery stuff you know i let you guys shoot for a while told you you know warm up get kind of the the bugs out and stuff and then i'm going to come and watch you and you know i watched you and we kind of went through everything and then uh and then I got you set up with silverbacks and, and, you know, that's release. a whole new ball game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, a, and a release trainer. And I was just, you know, I'm like, I can tell you all the things right now that I'm seeing, but I'm going to tell you the few things that I think are going to make the biggest importance right now. And just like you were 
you you would make some shots and we were cooking a night and then I would see after 15 or 20 minutes you'd pick that thing up and start making a few and I could watch how good those first few were and then they would start to deteriorate the more I started seeing you kind of like well is this right or is this right <laughs> and you would you know you would just analyze it analyze it and then if you stepped away from it again came back just in a matter of a few hours you're at a completely different place than this morning when we started for sure there's no doubt and like from you were talking about like being a new hunter like this is i i got into hunting in general but but specifically uh archery bow hunting from sarah like she brought me into this world i didn't grow up my family didn't hunt you know i grew up in cleveland ohio like not really (laughs) (laughs) you know i i I just came from a different world where that wasn't what my upbringing was and like it wasn't until she she and i got together and like she talked about it and had this interest and had this passion and i was like that's cool like i'm glad that you feel that way even the even the wedding deer like he was like he was like that's cool i'm glad you got it but like he didn't understand until he got in the woods yeah i had no comprehension for what you know and i i liked camping growing up but like i I just wasn't around it yeah And, and then um we like did you buy your place before you hunted your first time uh i had hunted with we went out on christmas eve at my last uh, year yeah at my at my dad's place okay and, and but we didn't, we didn't see nothing no just but but like set. but just but even just then like being in the woods watching it wake up like and seeing, then that moment like any any second now, yeah like seeing it and then and then i was hearing squirrels and i'm like oh my god is that a deer and you know and you get that yep. like heart pumping and mm-hmm. then and then uh like really thinking about it and and analyzing it and and just experiencing it and i was like man there's okay i understand and then like over the you know the the next the next year like we we talked about it a little more and i was i was more interested yep and then um because there was a point where because like i got a compound bow and he got like a recurve he was like he's like i like archery like i like shooting but i don't you've ever seen me needed a compound bow like i'm never gonna hunt and i was like you know, like this hunting's not something you can be like, no, go do this hunt. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> so like, and, and that's like, cause she got the compound bow and I, and I started with like a, a recurve and a, a traditional, you know, more traditional shooting. And I was shooting instinctively and like, I really like that. Um, but then we went, you know, we got the, we got the place in Ohio. We got, you know, the, the 50 acres and, and the woods and we had the intention to hunt. And yeah. like I, we, we had made like the okay, this is what we're going to do. And like, I, I started really listening to the guys, you know, like you got you and Rogan and everybody talking about, um, uh, harvesting meat and, yep. and, and eating, eating what you kill and, and living off wild game and like being homegrown. Yeah. Like a, a, everything about that. And, yeah. I, and the more I learned, the more I, I listened, the more I read, I, I really, I wanted to experience it. And, yep. I, and I wasn't sure what my reaction would be like, I, I I felt confident that I'd be able to pull a trigger or whatever, but, but you like, don't know till yeah that I don't I, I there, didn't know, you know what what the reaction would be, and then you know we we were able to hunt and and it was on our land, uh, and I took my first buck this year, um, 
First ever deer. You yeah. Buck. And uh, had the biggest smile I think I've ever seen. That, <laughs> yeah. That I mean, picture, I mean, dude, <laughs> you were so pumped. And, and, like, he was, you know, he was well over, like, he was over 200 pounds, like, maybe 220 pounds. And, like, uh, like she, she walked me through, like, uh, of course clean, I can't help him, you clean, know? cleaning him in the field. And, like, yeah. and, and then I dragged him by. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her help me. I yeah. dragged him by myself, like, you know well over 600 yards back to where we could get him into like uh, the back of an ATV and we hung him up and we put 80 pounds of meat from that deer in the freezer. Yep. And we've been eating that, eating that deer and I've literally fed our family and like we've, it's just a completely different level and like the, like the pride that I feel when I'm able to serve food that I was, that I harvested. Yep. I, it, it's, it's it's like a, it's it's like a primal satisfaction that like you're doing something that you were always meant to do. There, I mean, you know, it, we come around to this a lot when, whenever people in our community do podcasts, it's it's something that is being said so much right now that maybe listeners are getting to the point where they're saying, you know, all right, we get it, you know, but you know what, there's a lot of people that are coming into this now that like yourself, you know, a year and a half ago, you weren't doing it. Right. And I had no interest in doing it. And even now you weren't trophy hunting as well. Like just to clarify the, the, the buck you shot, it's not like you were focused on only shooting the biggest deer in the woods. I mean, you were pumped to just get out there, you know, that was the only deer you saw. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't like you guys found a lot. I mean, you found a lot and not seen, stuff a lot it's 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 been a like it's for me like personally this has been and it's it's like it's kind of like a stick in the side because it's the first time it's been like my land that i've owned yeah that like but i you know it's it's going to be a lesson and like when i first when i get that first deer off that property like it's going to be oh because at one it's our property and two like we've had so many hunts we're not seeing nothing and like the deer coming out like 10 minutes after it's dark and just yeah. and like we've seen <laughs> just, a lot of activity and yeah. like we've seen them but they haven't we know been they're within, out there <laughs> we ha- they yeah. haven't been within range yeah. or we haven't been able to you know it's been a little too dark so we, yeah. we couldn't take an ethical shot or anything like that and i'm like, starting to like try stuff that i know that makes no sense i'm like well maybe it'll work this time maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe if i look like a deer deer will come to me <laughs> and and you know and, and you and i have talked a, a, several times about like because now i i'm learning everything and and this is a completely new arena for me and I'm not used to being a novice at something and yep. like not knowing so I'm like well how do I play the wind yeah like hey, th- this is this is what when the wind you direction talk, when you is. were texting us about the wind I was like his understanding of the wind is like, <laughs> like <took> yeah <laughs> like and, and I didn't you know and that's not something I ever needed to, to know or think about or consider yeah, Ray sent me a text that said we're both going to go out tonight I think we're going to go here and here we're going to go in this way. What do you think? And then first thing I said was, what way is the wind blowing? And then he drew a picture. And I'm like, okay, we got re- to recalibrate this decision right now. Yeah. I'm like, can we do this? And you're like, no, that's a neighbor's don't have access. So then it's okay. Well, based on your place, here's the, probably the better, the better, you know, better thing to do. And, and, and on that day we, we were making that approach and we were using your plan and as we got up close to where we were trying to set up that day, we bumped three doe out of a bedding area <laughs> that we didn't we didn't know. It's it's yeah. it's new woods. We yeah. we don't know where the where the deer are bedding yet. Yeah. Um, but like as we were going to there, we we got too close to a bedding area, and 
were loud and boots leaves or whatever. Leaves just crack a lacking. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many leaves on the ground. I knew Ohio. something was up because then the next text she sent me was, "Tell me about e-bikes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were so loud getting getting there. And and, um, and like and Ray's not not the most graceful man. <laughs> You're, are you a heavy walker? Uh, I can be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, we're working on the the Indian heel toe. You know, yeah, walking yep. through the woods, but it, yeah, or the sides of your feet. Yeah, either one of those, or mm-hmm. you mean you have to do it, or you know, I say it all the time. Success as a hunter is uh, is hugely related to imprint and what type of imprint you make going in or coming out. And during the late season, even if you're wanting to hunt twice a day, when there's no foliage. It's cold. A lot of times there's like that frost that kind of freezes. And first thing in the morning, it's just so loud to where unless you're, you know, things are feeding quite a ways away from you and they're coming all the way back to where you are. It's hard to even get close because they're hearing you from hundreds of yards away. You're blowing the woods out. Yeah. And they know there's a two legged creature you know, stomping around. And we actually wanted to talk to you about um, what we could do and how we could set up to, like, we don't think, we saw those does bedded down, but, like, we want our woods to be more of a trafficked area. Like, we want to, like, make it more attractive to deer and, like, so they can, we can have, like, a higher success rate of, like, we've set, I mean, you know, I'm texting yeah. you, like, any second now, they're going to come. But like just making our deer more like, or making our deer, making our woods more attractive, attractive to deer, so they'll come around, so we can have more quality hunts. Like I've seen people like set up their woods, like. Well, yeah. So with with your property and each property that I've had over the years, I've learned more and more and more. And if I bought a brand new property right now, I would. I would address things much differently on like day one of getting the farm. What should I do? I would, I would address it so much differently now than when I was able to buy my, you know, my first farm I ever bought was like, I shouldn't even call it a farm. I bought a three acre piece of land that was like landlocked and a hundred yards off a a road. And I had to like walk down this one path to get to it. You know, I'm, I'm sure the farmer's like, oh my God, someone's going to pay for this three acres of land. What the heck are they ever going to do with it? They can't build there, whatever. That was me. But to me, I I got a piece of land, you yeah, know? Yeah, so, so much of it. <laughs> yeah, and it was just a grown-up thicket. Like a tornado had gone through there. Everything was just blown down, and it was just a thicket. And the only thing I could really put there that was an element that the deer didn't have close was water, you know, and, and just burying a kiddie pool and carrying in water and putting a little stick in it. So rodents and stuff wouldn't die in there. And they, you know, if they fell in there, they could, they could crawl out and it worked, you know? So the, what, I guess to back up a little bit, there's three things animals need as habitat. They, they either want cover water or food. So I always tell people, what, what does your neighbors not have? You know, what do your neighbors not have? Especially the smaller of the piece, like 50 acres is an, it's an awesome piece of ground, 
but also in 50, like you're not, you're never going to hold deer there all year. Like deer will come and go through that every single day. You know, it's not like if you see a deer there, it's not like your neighbor won't see it all season. He could, you know, depending on how nocturnal that animal is, he could be getting pictures of that every day, you know? So what is the element where you feel like you could provide that people closest to you wouldn't have out of those three? The other thing is based on like when you guys sent me pictures from the stand, one thing I've learned is really open timber is it's hard to, it's hard to maneuver in, you know, and it's hard to get something to, to bed in specific locations because of that, you know, it's just like open woods so they can really lay down anywhere at that time. So you know, it's not like you've got designated like briar thickets or like cedar thickets or locust thickets, stuff like that. You know, you need to create thicker cover somehow. Um, and there's a there's a program that you could look into called um, TSI. So it's Timber Stand Improvement. And what they do is they'll they'll go in and mark. Um, and a lot of times you can apply for the program. They'll actually you know, pay you to, for you to do this. And what they'll do is they'll find the, the evasive trees or kind of the non hardwood trees and they'll come in and they'll either hinge cut them. So they'll, you know, they'll saw them about three quarters of the way through and let them fold over or they'll gird them. So they'll like run a ring around them with a chainsaw so that you're essentially you're killing the tree. And over time it's going to, it's going to die and it's not going to grow its full top. So what you're doing is by by allowing your forest to have more light down to the floor of it, it's going to allow things to germinate down on the ground because you don't want to be on the ground of your timber and be able to see all the way through it. Like it's pretty for a park, but deer like cover. So that a lot of times when people get their properties logged, you know, for the first time and they go in and they find that tree that they want and they'll lop the top off and the tops fall down on the ground and then they'll you know they'll take the main you know trunk of the tree and they'll log it out of there in a year's time that's awesome habitat because those tops that are laying there you know briars there's light that comes in the briars will start to grow up through there and then now you have these like little nests on the ground where you know native grasses can start to come up through briars can start to come up through there and you kind of want if you're if you're hunting you kind of want like a mess you know and there's another program called edge feathering which you do roughly that same type of thing you hinge over evasive trees along the edges of where you have like row crop or field and so what you're doing is you're folding stuff out over along those edges so you don't have this super distinct line of this is like where my food plot is and then there's completely vertical trees right there you know because there's either wide open timber or wide open crop so by having this kind of this feathered mess you know along the edge it does a couple things one it allows stuff to bed along there and feel like it's safe with cover you're certainly going to get way more like birds and things like that it's perfect habitat for them 
But what it really does is it allows you to enter into like your food source, your food plots and stuff, or approach from the back of your timber and have some type of a visual barrier for if something's in its bedding, you can approach the food source without having this wide open, perfect, you know, vertical trees with no underbrush. So if it were me now and I bought a farm and it was just a, a, you know, a farm that was, that was really rough and you had the ability to create whatever you wanted. I think the first and foremost thing I would do like right out of the gate, if I, on year one would be establish um, privacy, like, and, and I was totally opposite when I, you know, when I got, uh, my place in Iowa, the first thing I did was I need to get food there, you know, and it was breaking dirt, you know, mowing stuff, spraying, breaking dirt, trying to plant stuff, fighting weeds, you know, freaking taking out truckloads and truckloads of thistles and, you know, trying to like get those things like burned in one place and like dispose of the seeds. And, you know, I was just fighting all this stuff, but then in the end, people that would come up and down the road or people that would be on the border. It's like clear shot and, you know, poaching, you know, came out here multiple times, found deer with, you know, bullet 22 bullet holes in them and had to deal with that stuff. So the first thing I would do is like try to establish privacy, you know, go and you could go into your uh, NRCS office and say, you know, do you have any type of buffer strip program to where you could, you know, you can go to the state nursery, you can buy these packages where you get, you know, essentially you build a buffer strip of, you know, you might have like a hedge tree in the first row and then like, you know, might like have a cedar tree down the next row and then like a rose book, you know, like a, you know, some type of a plum tree or something. And you create this barrier that one, it prevents drifting on the roads, but it also provides like a visual barrier. Another one, um, is like, it's called Miscanthus gigantus. It's, it's kind of a, it comes back every single year. It's that big stuff that's out there. It's like a huge cane, like a bamboo. You can buy the, these little rhizomes, I think out of Michigan and you plant them, you know, about every three or four feet apart. And you have to, you have to keep the grass mowed around them and stuff and let them establish. But that rhizome starts to spread and it grows a new patch and a new patch. And next thing you know, you have this five foot thick thing of tall, like bamboo, like grass or like Indian grass type thing to where it just prevents people from seeing into your food plots, you know, and, or use that stuff for anywhere where you have to travel in and out. Like right now you said, when you guys walk in, even if you have e-bikes, if your property is that naked, it's going to be hard. Even if you ride an e-bike to get in there. So I would say one of the first things would be one, let's create some type of a, a privacy barrier, even if it's not from an, for a neighbor, it's for us to have privacy going to or from our location, you know, sometimes even, you know, you can, if you're planting row crops, sometimes just leaving those outer rows standing to where you can mow a path between the, the, uh, you know, mow the grass 
between the timber and the corn so that you have a quiet path to walk but leave those first rows of corn you know the first three or four rows of corn standing to where when you're walking a field edge going in everything out in that field in the morning isn't looking directly at you you can get in there and then once you're climbing up in the tree you're looking over that um, being able to have um, like out here a lot of the areas where i have thicker cedars i've left those cedars and, and mowed little paths through them to where i'm i'm walking through cover to get to a place so that i'm not exposing myself so privacy would probably be number one like figure out my entrance my exit try to shield either my property from the neighbors or shield myself from the animals then from there i would focus on what do i need or what do i not or what can i make that the neighbors don't have and if it's you know if your neighbors have awesome food and there's great water it's like let's make this a thicket let's look into going into the nrc nrcs office and look into crp programs that'll allow you to do like native grasses so i'm part of a program here you know all around here and i showed uh, I did a hunt with my buddy Antoine came and hunted and I showed his setup like how we walked to the blind. It was a mowed path. On the right was six foot high Indian grass, switch grass, big blue grass. And these are all part of a, it, it was a CP25 program. So I actually get paid to plant these things and maintain this CRP, but it's like, just wonderful cover you know it's tall thick cover that allows me to enter and exit without being seen and something you know a deer can be bedded in there and you would never know it if they were five feet away it's just so thick and in fact when Antoine got in there he got in his stand and was just starting to prep to get his tripod and his camera set up and that buck was already there on a doe. Like he walked in, got in that blind, barely even had the door shut. And these things came out of that six foot grass, had never had no idea that there was a human walking through there because they just couldn't see him. So I would focus on that first. And then, you know, once you have that, then see how the other stuff plays out. The other good thing about that too is once you have a place for multiple years, you're able to observe long enough to really understand like what the natural patterns are. And you probably don't know that. Like you said, there were does bedded there. Now, if you see that three or four times, you might know for whatever reason, that's where they like to bed. Maybe we should, you know, maybe we should find a few evasive trees. If, you know, have a forester come in, mark those, and maybe we fold those suckers over and kind of create this 25% percent of our of your thicker part of your timber to where it's even thicker and then you can hunt around the perimeter of that thicket in areas where you can access in and access out the easiest and then lay out the property where you can really hunt the four main winds you know if you have a piece of property like that find a good location for a north wind, good location for a west wind, good location for east, good location for a south, and then establish you know how can we create privacy entrance, privacy exits to those four. 
And if you do that and you really hunt them when the conditions are right, you'll have success there, you know, for sure. And uh, you kind of just blew our minds. But like that, uh, <laughs> look at it, each other like, yeah. <laughs> it, but it makes so much sense, especially when you're saying like, what, what could we provide that our neighbors can't? Because all the, all the woods there, all the all the woods, and all of our tru- all the, of our neighbors yeah. are exactly like our woods. Mm-hmm. They're they're very open. They're very like there 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 had been logging there a little bit mm-hmm. so there are a bunch a of, lot down, of down trees. there's a bunch of down trees in our wood mm-hmm. um i think like the neighbors is even more clear than us but then there's agriculture fields on like three sides of our woods and then but there's like a kind of like caddy corner there's more woods and then there's more woods right right next to us on either side so like if if we do kind of commit ourselves and turn our our woods into just a mess like you said a mess yeah you know look into some of these projects i think we could really be providing a a bedding that the deer don't have for miles around when some of my thicker timber pieces i've actually and the other thing too is if you have permission on places which some of the places i'm talking about are places i have permission on places to go i can present these things to the landowner and say hey you know, did you know that there's, you know, this really cool TSI program, a timber stand improvement program to where you can go in and they'll actually pay you, you know, money to do this timber stand improvement and put it in front of them. And then they'll look at it and realize, oh man, and hey, there's actually 50% cost share for the labor involved. I'll do the chainsawing once the timber's marked and you can, you know, I'll do it as part of my wages to hunt and you can bill out that, you know, as you, as you see fit type of thing, you know what I mean? Um, because technically, yeah, you can, there's, there's rates of what you can essentially charge, or if you do it yourself, it's like, this is what my rate is. And there's programs that, that pay back, sure, you know, you get that, that credit yeah, yeah, on your labor. yeah. I, I mean, I did all the work myself. I might, I had to rent a few pieces of equipment to help me but all this stuff that i did the crp programs you know went out rented a sprayer sprayed everything down you know and that's called like a burn down it was a chemical burn down so i did a you know a chemical burn down did that um went to the uh to the main uh office in town the a lot of a lot of towns have like um the nrcs offices they actually have areas where you can go rent like a no-till drill or a prairie drill for the day like for us we can rent them for 125 bucks a day so i went and rented the drill submitted that you know so for 300 bucks you know i was able to to do a whole cp25 program over the course of you know drilling for several days and then 150 bucks of that i got back you know from them so for me i was able to create this cool cp25 uh habitat which is amazing for you know for wildlife like turkeys obviously there's you guys have seen turkeys like insane (laughs) yeah the turkeys just flourish in it um pheasants i've got quail here honestly bob bobcats like it's it's like you're creating an ecosystem and as as cool as it is to have a hobby farm where you've got like you know 
your yard's all perfectly mowed and you've got cool four-wheeler trails through the timber and and you know everything's like super neat and tidy you know quote unquote a hobby farm i mean that's really fun for someone that lives in the city and wants to just go out and be out in the outdoors but if you're wanting to create something for for like habitat you know habitat lives in the wild they like they don't like being seen they don't like feeling pressure you know we're we're a predator to them so giving them the ability to to get away giving them the ability to have bedding and water and food in a in an area where they feel safe then you can create this like ecosystem you know and and once you do all of that stuff starts to happen so you know it gets it gets pretty cool and honestly you start to realize like your farm's a perfect size to where you realize like hey maybe you know if if we have 10 acres that has some tilling history on it we might be able to enroll this into a cp25 program i know here like in our area average cost um like they'll pay you up to like 200 well any i would say the the ranges are from like 175 depending on your soil type up to like 275 bucks an acre per year um for that cp25 program and then you have to do maintenance at like the five the half halfway mark but it's uh it's really cool once you see what stuff what kind of things are available out there and you utilize those things they all start to add up one to help pay for the farm you know but two to help invest in what you're trying to do is go out and have a good hunt and have like good interactions with nature yeah and and i mean you know we were talking earlier today when we were training that like sarah and i have made a commitment to each other that we want to be able to at least go like 90 percent of our diet to be wild meat Mm -hmm. i think it's it's healthier it's well we did today i can tell you that (laughs) yeah yeah we did but um what's what was the recap of the meal thumbs up fingers up oh horns? yeah well, yeah horns. yeah knock on knock on viking raiders <laughs> salute yeah for it dinner i made these guys uh bone in axis uh rack straps uh moose tenderloin and whitetail back straps and then broccoli asparagus peppers and we did elk burgers for lunch oh that's right yeah so the, it, it, long guy, story short he, he spoiled the hell out yeah, of us we, today we ate like kings today like i it was my first time eating vikings vikings mm, i see what you did <laughs> see what i did there it was my first time eating axis deer and my first time eating moose and it was the moose was above and beyond my favorite like, really I, I wasn't expecting like the it was just I don't. I, I don't know if it was like, could have been the cut, but like it was just, the meat was. They're all smooth. different. Different diets. They move at different speeds. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and I, I think you you definitely uh, changed our minds on on pellet grills too. Cause <laughs> the stuff was cooked to the <laughs> they point. They changed of, my mind. It, Every yeah, time 100%. I I like we we live out in the sticks and everyone and their mom's got a smoker of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I'm like I keep every time I drive by one I'm like man I want a smoker man I want a smoker and I think this was the the thing that just like pushed it over the edge yep that's it well we need to recap uh for the listeners we need to recap like the shooting and kind of what you guys um saw today we 
we came in, I let you shoot how you were set up and you guys were new to it, kind of went into a Cabela's and a Bass Pro Shop. You guys got set up with, you know, I would say entry level gear, but you know, a good start and you guys were shooting and then kind of let you do that walk through shot process right shot through the wall yep yes <laughs> thank you for uh yeah trigger trigger can trigger make safety sure, is, hey uh, make sure you sign that too 100 percent will i'll give yeah. you a little boost yeah. to get up there it's kind of high uh, yeah. yeah sign that before you leave because uh <laughs> yep <laughs> and I was honestly, I I was out. We had just started the grill for elk burgers. I went outside and I wanted to have a good signal, so I walked around to like the other end of the building to get a signal. And I'm sitting there talking, and I just Danger hear, zone. yeah, just like <laughs> bong. And I look over and I just see that axis just like ten inches out, and I'm like, yep. <laughs> and I walked in. And I'm like, I'm like, who did that? And he looked so mad. One. He was so uh, mad. At full. Us. And at, at that point too, I was like, hand in the cookie jar because I had like grabbed the the arrow and I was like t- trying to take it out of the wall. Like, oh no, no, no. It didn't happen. Don't it, yeah. take I'm it like, out. leave don't it in. Leave yeah. it in. But no, <laughs> that's one of. The, and honestly, I'm gonna take some of the rap for that because when you give people a long list of things to go through, you know, with the shot sequence protocol and stuff. And then you try to let them do it all. It's so much to digest. And you, it's not like you ever pulled your bow back with your finger in front of the trigger while we were like, while we shot for hours before that. But Mm -hmm. you told me I was thinking about everything else you were telling me. And I, I'd realized like my finger, I never put my finger behind the trigger. Well, so my, was... my finger was behind. And then as I was going into, um, to like look down the peep, yep. I had my finger in front of my, uh, my trigger yep. because I had lined up how I was lined up, uh, in the morning before, yep. before we did our like instruction session. Yep. And then I was like, Oh man, that's not how I'm supposed to find the peep. So instead of letting off the, Letting off, canceling the shot, and starting over like we're supposed to do. (laughs) I just self-corrected, and I moved my head. And when I did that, my my finger was still in front, and I (laughs) and I just bumped it just enough to, and it it went off. And I and immediately I was like, "We're like that was a difference." Yeah, like like you know, because there's that really satisfying like thunk thunk when something hits the target. Yeah, and that one was like aggressive. Clearly, something got broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You hit the whammy for sure. And I was like, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what stands out? Um, obviously, we walked through a lot of stuff, but what stands out for you? Something that you learned here that you really maybe hadn't seen somewhere else, or something that f- you feel like is a takeaway for for you? That I had like three big things. Like my feet. Were totally like yeah. I, I was square but wasn't like straight like I was standing you like, had, a, you had a closed stance yeah yeah it was it so was your front close. foot was further forward than your rear foot and it's highly when, susceptible to hitting my yeah so you, arm, you yeah. <laughs> welted your arm big time the first two times you shot a bow oh yeah 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 in yeah. in Cabela's in Cabela's and 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 I had too much pride to tell the instructor so I just ate it <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ow. Uh, literally that loud too. Like not, no reaction. Like if I would have done it, I'd have like dropped the bow and like been like jumping around. <laughs> she, she just, she, the, the 
the instructor or the the sales guy went down to get the arrow and she lowers her bow and just goes ow <laughs> and i'm like what what happened like did you sarah feel pain yeah and, and she's like i hit my and and she's got this i mean just this giant red well like the entire length of her forearm yeah. and i was like that's an ow like no 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 tone no inflection nothing yeah so i was like wow you're all right psychopath yeah and then you're psychopath. It, was, it was just like a quick list that using the 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 peep to actually line up yeah. No, not just like I could, I would, I would notice, I would see through the peep, and I would line my. Uh, Your sight pin. I, I would, on I would line the sight pin on there, but it wasn't like it wasn't like peep sight like peep yeah. uh, sight pin target, and uh, that and uh, my hips. I yeah, did, I, I, I did. I did the typical girl fashion by like doing my little sassy hip. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone who's trying to pull more weight than what they're capable of pulling. Um, I feel you, like I wasn't pulling. I feel like I wasn't But it, I don't think it's from now. Yeah. Like I said, this is super common with women. I mm-hmm. call it hitching, but it's when your front hip pushes forward to where your, your shoulders are behind your hips. And I think it's from when people buy bows for their kids or for women, or a lot of times if someone just buys a used bow – they see what people that have been shooting for poundage for a long time and they just feel like I can do that. You know, I've had people that are like legit bodybuilders grab a 70 pound bow and it just makes them look like an idiot. It's a different, it's a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is if you're, if someone gives you a bow and your first one's like 50 pounds, you might think, okay, well, you know, I'm a pro wrestler. 50 pounds doesn't seem like nothing. Right. But it's a different type of pull. So just you're used to leverage. And so you naturally push your hips forward to pull that back. You know, you're trying to honestly, most any sport, they, they say, you know, you generate way more power when you get your legs into it. And so that's kind of weightlifting hips are the game. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So that's, it's nothing that's uncommon. That's super common. So I kind of, talk to Ray about, you know, when you guys watch each other shoot, which is going to be easy for you guys because you're right-handed, you're left-handed, so you're facing each other all the time. (laughs) You know, it's easy to just look down and make sure shoulders are over hips, hips are over your feet. Mm -hmm. All right, what's number three? Um, And uh, making sure the, like, my anchoring was correct. You're pointing at your nose, so that's not an anchor. Well, my like just making sure that it, it anchored to my on my face correctly. So you're saying when you anchor to adjust your head so the tip of your nose is on yeah. the string when yeah, you're yeah, looking yeah. through the peep sight. Yeah, I would just like place it. I was like same spot on my cheek every time, but like that yep. was. But your cheek wasn't in the same position. Yeah, every time. But it, was just, <laughs> it was just. I was, you know, like I was, you know, if you just pick up a bow and start trying to like shoot you're biting off a whole lot more than you can chew yeah and like you you might be able to like hit like i could hit the hit a target every once in a while but i wasn't by any means consistent and, yeah. I, and i knew i was like well if i just keep repeating if i just keep and then in i was like one hour how much habits? progression did you make just like more than i've made since i started trying to shoot a compound bow which is yeah. probably a year yeah easy not like consistently you had a pretty like, pretty interesting technique i haven't come across i'm gonna call it turtling 
when I was doing the. So uh, we got we got <laughs> both these guys set up with uh, release trainers. I wish and, this was on video so you could just see it. <laughs> and silverbacks, and so I'm you know I'm looking at the Ray and, and yeah and teaching him how to like anchor, <laughs> and you know look look down to the target so and let off the safety and and pull that you know pull that elbow back and pull through the shot. And I'm watching him do it, and then you know I look over, and Sarah's like, "This thing is just God. It feels so I'm long." Like I'm pulling this thing to my freaking ear. Yeah, she's like, "It feels <laughs> so long." And I kind of looked over, and she was, you were kind of at the last, I don't know, two seconds of that shot. Yeah. And to be honest, when I looked, I was looking at your hand, and I'm, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I have that set totally too long for you." So I. I like shorten it up and then <laughs> then I started watching you and I saw this technique of you coming to an anchor position, starting the pull, and then somehow stretch your chin <laughs> all the way to your front bohan thumb. The way I see it is if, if your body is closer to your target <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, the what a turtling. Was. Oh, the turtling man. technique. It's a silverback turtle technique. So it's and, big in Kentucky. And one thing that I had a coach that taught that because I actually did that with a recurve. Turtling. Yep, I was turtling. So with a recurve, um, you know, you have to maintain good posture, draw back, and and you're anchoring a little bit different. But with a recurve, they have what's called a clicker. So when you're anchored you start to pull back further and there's a clicker on your bow. And as your arrow s keeps getting pulled further back after it goes past the point, this clicker falls against the riser and it goes click. And then, you know, like when to let go that way you're pulling to the exact same length every time before you let go. So some people struggle getting through the clicker. And what happens is they're either collapsing in their shoulders to where they feel like they're pulling, but their shoulders are collapsing and their arrows just going forward on the clicker, not back. Otherwise what happens is some people get in the habit of instead of staying tall and keeping their head completely vertical, they take their head to the bow and they anchor in. And then once they start their pull, since they've gone so far forward to the bow, even though they anchor and they pull good through the anchor, they've given back like two inches before they ever start. So you were doing that, but with a count, like I've never seen it with a shot trainer. I've seen it with people that are pulling too much recurve weight, but it was, um, it was, I'm, it was pretty I interesting. I do things my own way just all the time. It's <laughs> a good way to say it. Um, I, th I think my biggest takeaway was just having like a defined, um, shot sequence because like I, I came into archery like instinctively shooting recurve bows. Yep. So I, it was just kind of uh, all art, no science. Yeah. It was just a feel, you know, I wasn't really aiming. I was just picking up and, and doing it. And like, that's not great for body mechanics. But yeah. I, and I, and I, and I knew like when, you know, when we talked before we came out, I was like, I don't even want to really practice with my compound bow anymore until we talk because yeah. I know that I'm not doing this correctly. So mm -hmm. if I can't practice perfectly, yep. all I'm doing is practicing bad habits. Yeah. So I hadn't shot my, my compound bow in probably uh, almost two months just yeah. because it, to me there wasn't, I was going to be doing backwards and I'm going to have to relearn bad habits mm -hmm. again. So like um, just having that like clearly defined this uh, is the technique you're you're striving for. This is the technique. This is and and this is this is consciously what I'm thinking 
this is, you know, this, these are my steps. This is what I'm doing. This is, this is why I'm doing it because like you did such a good job of like breaking down the process Mm -hmm. because we, you know, step one stance, this is how you do your stance. This is why you do your stance. Cool. That makes sense. You know, step two, step three, and you just go all the way through your shot sequence. And then like, even when I was doing the trainer, I'm thinking, you know, stance. I grip, saw you shoulders, times look you know, down, and then, even and, though you didn't have the bow, and I'm like, great, he's and, still being systematic through what we talked about. And, and then if I didn't do something, I would like, I wouldn't even take the shot trainer through the shot. I mm-hmm. would put it down. I'm not putting another arrow through the wall, guys. Uh, <laughs> I, it's just not going to happen. So like, <laughs> um, I, I'd, been there, done yeah, that. I just, I, I put it down and then I would start <laughs> over, you know, and like, and we've always been like students, Yep. you know, like from, like sports and through all through levels of school to wrestling to, I mean, jujitsu through anything. We've, we, we enjoy like learning. We enjoy the learning process. And like, we have been taught enough Mm -hmm. to know when like we're being taught well. Yeah. You know, like, and it was very nice to like come here and you had like a system of things and like how they work. Like I know if I'm doing like first responder stuff, I'm doing a thing called March and you need to go through all these steps to like save someone's life. Right. And like, if all those fails, you go back to your steps, you go back to your basics. Like if this didn't work, what'd you do wrong here? Yeah. I told you guys at the very beginning, there's method to the madness. You know, we're not, we're not like jumping into this thing where I'm like, open your books, everybody turn to page (laughs) three. You know, it's like, I'm going to let you do what you do. So I know like, where's our baseline and what do I need to expand on as a coach on specific topics that I know you need help with. And some we can like graze through because you're doing them right. I just want to make sure you know why you're doing them right. And we can move on and spend more time on the things that you're not doing right. So that I can really like, fully expand on it so that you understand it completely yeah it's crazy what we've learned like in a day yeah it's it it, like the amount of information and and like but just technique that has been like crammed in is 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 kind of awesome and like she said like we like being students but like just as much as that like we both hate to suck like <laughs> like like cannot cannot stand i'm not good it. at this i will die I'm the yeah 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 like oh what do i need to do oh, i need to practice seven hours a day cool that's and we're what both we're doing competitive yeah and we're, no, i mean we're spending, i am the least not competitive <laughs> yeah like, and we're constantly spending time together so i'll be like i'm like hey i'm gonna shoot my bow he's like i'm gonna shoot my bow too i'm like well good Together then, I guess. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna shoot 50 arrows. She's like, I'm gonna shoot 75. I'm like, I'll do 100. Like, like, and yeah, I mean, we so like, but we train to, you know, we lift together, we train together. So it's the same. It's that same mentality yeah. that we have that that's that's wrestling. That's like we do Viking fighting together. So we're going to practice together and we we're like training. to be all in. Like if 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 we're not like like we decided like all right we're we're gonna do archery and we're and we're we're not just gonna like half ass it. Yeah. We're going to full asset. Like we're going to be all in. <laughs> like we're, our time is like two. So we have like two days off this week. Yep. One of those days is going to be spent here because we know that like, this is where our time is going to be best spent doing the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think you guys will make big improvements. I think when you work with that for a little while, we'll be able to follow up with some videos and stuff, make sure your, your posture's good. And then, 
try to get you out to like a bow building school, you know, in the springtime somewhere. Very beautiful. You know, yeah. I want to, I want to put together one where, you know, where multiple knock on nation people can come. I'm going to work on that. That's a big goal to where I can have some things where people will actually come in, you know, do some bow builds, get some lessons. We're all there, like, you know, have some like little one or two day events where it's, it's all about you getting a setup like built for you or you built, you know, maybe I might work on a curriculum where you're there building it and I'm there overseeing it and then just get everybody into this checklist. And then hopefully by the second day, like everybody's just, you know, competing for fun. So it'd be pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, I, I really hope that, uh, that you liked us cause you're not getting rid of us now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you done messed up. You done messed up. <laughs> well, I got a boogie. Tomorrow, uh, Sharon and Harry are going to officially be U.S. citizens. USA! USA! USA. So <laughs> I want to get home, get so prepped awesome. for that, yeah. and uh, hopefully you guys had fun. I, it was amazing. Yeah, thank you for spending so much time with us and completely spoiling us by cooking all day. We would have probably been like, maybe we'll do the podcast next time or something, you know, if we didn't have, like, okay, go on here and put this guy over if we don't mean it. <laughs> yeah, well, we talked about that, like, we're not going to endorse something or, or talk about it or, be, or even be part of it and waste our time if we yeah. don't believe in it. So, yeah. like, it's, and I know that you, you're the same way, like, we've talked about that in integrity and what, what yeah. you say and what you stand behind and, like, man, this is, this is, like, life-altering stuff. Like, it's really, And the really, best, really like, cool. business relationships are friendships. Yeah, you oh, know? yeah, yeah. So... Well, you guys are going to, you're going to just, I think, start steamrolling through, you know, you're going to start with deer and then you're going to, you know, try you guys once, once you are doing like these pack outs, when you said I might not be that good at like moose hunting, but I'd be good at packing out moose. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I'm not good. I'm just strong. That's it. <laughs> His name was Moose. <laughs> Honestly, like once you do that, that connection you know, it's just like anything, the harder something is to do, it's, there's more importance to, to you. Like oh, it's yeah. a, it's a deeper bond. So, you know, doing that work on your property and then getting a whitetail, I mean, that's, that's like a whole different type of experience. You're invested. Yeah. And you're, you've got a different, you know, investment. You're going to appreciate it more than even your first one. But then when you go somewhere and you have to like go through a day of, you know, grueling, labor getting this thing packed out i want to know that pain yeah <laughs> yeah like like it's uh, part of i think part of what what's made us so successful in in all the ventures that we do like sarah says like we go all in we just dive head first but like mm -hmm. we're very uncomfortable or we're very comfortable being uncomfortable yeah like kind of like like good, i i flew that's a out good trait four days after anyone. high school and went to japan and trained to be a wrestler i was like oh japan's where i can go to be the best wrestler i can be Let's go. Mm -hmm. First time on a plane, first time ever. I was like, let's go. <laughs> so like we. That is head first. I, yeah. I just want to, we, we want to jump into this and like we're, we're hoping we can make the best impression we can, not only for the people who are around, but like for hunting as a whole. Like I know that um, we have a platform that isn't super, don't, don't, hunting's not really talked about very much. Mm -hmm. And we want to bring a light to, the, not only a light to it, but like a good light. And yeah. a uh, kind of like, there's a, definitely a humane 
side to it, like hunting funds, a bunch of wildlife preservation and hunting. Oh yeah. Like there's all this good to hunting that no one really knows about. And like I had to explain to a girl from Scotland that there's a difference between hunting and poaching. She had no idea. Yeah. I was like, dude, come here. Talk to yeah, me. Yeah. So <laughs> let me tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> let me do you some learning. All right, dudes. Well, it was pleasure meeting you. Super fun. And I look forward to it. Hopefully you guys flourish in this. You guys have the right mindset and work ethic. It's going to be cool. So hope you enjoyed the podcast, everybody. Have a good day, whatever day you're listening to this. Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.